Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody tonight. So glad that we have the opportunity to do that. Just talking about that song real quickly. I don't want to dwell on it, but it's one of my favorites. First of all, it's a beautiful song, but it's also truth. And it deals with the subject of how you get things done in God's uh, economy. It's you meet God's terms. You don't, you don't do it your way and then say, God, please bless my mess. But instead, you say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What did Jesus do when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, not my will, but thine be done. And that's what our attitude, that's what our spirit must be. Just a, a great song, Revival comes from thee. It doesn't come from any other source. It comes from God Almighty. I'm trusting that this week will be a week of personal revival. I want to praise the Lord publicly for all the folks who indicated with uplifted hands today, a vast majority of the congregation today said God spoke to them personally through the message, through the preaching of the Word of God about the subject of revival. A majority of the congregation today. I can just share that with you. I don't know each individual heart. I just know what I saw in the way of that. God keeps the books, obviously. And then... When the invitation was given, I'm so glad that this church still preaches and draws the net. And a number of folks came forward and some who have not come forward prior to this. And so praise the Lord for that. Uh, new beginning in some people's lives. So praise God. And all during the week now, we want to look to the Lord. Amen. We want Him to guide us and to lead us. And uh, we want Him to be the one who is going to... Uh, do the changing. We're not going to do the changing. The Lord's going to do the change. We're going to do the yielding. We're going to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. Amen. Need to do that this week. All right, we've read some scripture from the Psalms. We're going to read some more scripture in just a moment. Uh, tonight's subject, it's interesting. A lot of times we'll bring a message in another venue, and my wife will be used by the Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. She'll say, you know, we ought to have that at our church, not just preached in this other venue. So I was, I was preaching and teaching over at Fellowship House, which is one of our dear groups that we meet with twice a month. And um, so over, <clears throat> over 20 times a year we're with them. We also have a couple of special times together with them. And they are wonderful people, and they consider us to be their church and me to be their pastor and Gwendolyn to be the first lady. And it's, it's a great relationship. But I was using some of these thoughts. And my wife said, why don't, you, why don't you bring that in the message? So I prayed about it. And the Holy Spirit, of course, confirmed what Gwendolyn had suggested. And that's what you're getting tonight. Now, you're not getting leftovers. You're not getting leftovers. There's plenty of fresh material here. And uh, it's, it's plenty good. I had a friend. Uh, I'll just call him Brother Jay. Brother Jay was a preacher. He got saved late in life. I think he was in his in his uh, uh, late 20s, early 30s, when he finally got saved. He was a construction guy, he was a rough and tumble guy in the world. Got saved, did a little bit of study, and uh, even though I don't think he even had high school education, went ahead and, and studied and became a pastor and was a church planter. <clears throat> and um, I remember looking over his library. He had one of the largest libraries. He, he was one of those that liked to, to uh, haunt uh, used bookstores. And then he would find when pastors were, 
were going uh, out of the ministry or were retiring, and he would buy their libraries. So the last time I saw him in a home that he owned uh, down in Georgia, uh, every <coughs> wall had books on it. And he had them up, up around the rafters, the eaves, you know, where you, some people have crown molding. He had books all the way around. He had books everywhere. And, uh, and he loved to read books, and he studied. He was a great, great student. But he made no secret of the fact that when he would preach, he would frequently preach what was in the sword of the Lord. The sword of the Lord always has three or four messages. Uh, there'll be a message by John Rice or by, by uh, Curtis Hudson or by um, uh, one of the other preachers of the 20th century or maybe going back a little further. Uh, and they might have uh, messages by Billy Sunday and uh, by D.L. Moody and Finney and uh, even Jonathan Edwards and so forth. And there'll, there'll always be three or four messages. And he would, he would preach the messages out of the sword of the Lord. He'd say, oh, shame for shame. He was not ashamed of it. And I asked him, I said, Jay, how, how do you do that? Why, why do you do that? He says, hey, brother, if it worked for Jonathan Edwards, it'll work for me. If it worked for Charles Spurgeon, it'll work for me. And uh, truth is truth, regardless of the source. Now, it is a sin to plagiarize, take credit for something that's not your own. And you have heard me say, this is not original. I borrowed this from such and so, or I read this in a book, or I, I took an idea and, and the Lord gave me something else. It's a sin to take it and not give credit. And I know of some pastors who have actually been put out of their pastorate because uh, they're preaching out of uh, somebody else's things. I know of a pastor who was voted out of his church in Richmond, Virginia, a nice Baptist church. He was voted out because he was preaching, was preaching, I think verbatim pretty much, the sermons of, uh, of Dr. Jeremiah. And, uh, that, you know, if you're going to copy somebody, Dr. Jeremiah is a good one to copy, but, uh, but you should give credit. And he wasn't given credit, so he got in trouble. Another young man recently was accused of just preaching what he pulled off of the Internet. Now, the problem with that is, if it's on the Internet, that means another 100,000 preachers have also read it. So the chances of your being discovered are very, very, very likely. And, uh, and so, uh, in my case, it's not that I've intentionally tried to obscure my sources. It's that I don't have that many sources. Occasionally, when I do, I will tell you. And uh, people say, well... Uh, you obscure your outline. Well, sometimes I have an outline and sometimes I don't. We just leave it to the Holy Spirit to impress it on people's hearts. So as the Lord gave it to me, I'm sharing with you tonight what I've already shared, sort of, in part, with the good folks at Fellowship House. All right, now that we all have our credits in and, and we know who's who and what's what, uh, we want to get into the Word of God. I, I said to the folks that the Bible is the only source of absolute truth in all the universe. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. How many of you would agree with the preacher tonight? Well, I'm, I need to get you to agree with me sooner or later, so raise your hand. All right. So, Bible is the inspired and preserved Word of God. It's without error. It's absolute truth. And there may be other things that contain truth, but the Bible is truth. That's the difference. It's the revealed truth, the will of God for us. And it's absolutely wonderful. And I said to the, the folks over there at Fellowship House, I said, uh, the Bible is the only absolute source that answers the question, who am I? Where did I come from? 
Why am I here? And where am I going? Now, those are great philosophical questions. And after I had given this to the folks at Fellowship House, one little lady over there said, you know those questions you started out with? I said, yeah. Uh, who am I? Where did I come from? Uh, why am I here? And where am I going? She says, those are the same questions I ask myself when I walk from one room to another. And I, I forget what it was all Anybody like that tonight? Come on. Come on. Amen. So if you've always wondered why you're in that room, folks, where you came from, who you are, the Bible has the answers to all of those seriously. Who am I? I am a creation of God. God created me. He created me in his own image. That means I'm a spirit that possesses a body. I also, I have soul. That means I have personality and emotions. So I am created in the image of God. Also, I'm a trinity. It's like God is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. One essence, but three persons. We believe we're Trinitarians. Believe that. The Bible teaches that. It's not something you can wrap your brain about, but, but it's something you can believe. You can believe it in your heart because God said it. Um, so we're created in God's image. I'm also a child of God by the new birth. Now, everybody isn't everybody else's brother or sister. Only saved people are. Everyone else is a creature, a creation of God. But when you get saved, then you're in the family of God. And that, that's automatic. It happens instantaneously. And now we're, we're identified with God's family. He's our father by the new birth. So that's who we are. Where did we come from? Well, we didn't pre-exist. So the Mormons are wrong. People who believe in reincarnation are wrong. There's so many cults and, and religions that are wrong on this because they can't figure it out. and They don't believe what God has said in his word. Uh, they've made up all this other stuff. You and I actually began to exist as a person when your father and your mother conceived you. And everybody who has ever lived had a biological father and a biological mother, and that's when the, the person became a living soul. That was the instant that it happened, conception. That's why we're pro-life. It just it's, it's scriptural, it makes sense. But prior to that, the, the two parts of us that came together did not make a person until we were made a person. So that's the miracle of it. Now, there's, there's nothing dirty about that. And we, we tell mixed groups, and there are children in the group, we tell them those things so they understand. Because the world's going to tell them every dirty, rotten thing that's wrong, so we might as well tell them something that's clean and pure and right. Amen? So that's where I came from. But as Jeremiah said in the first chapter of his prophecy, even before he was, God knew him. And that's not because we pre-existed. There wasn't a pre-existence for mankind. That's because God knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows the beginning from the ending and everything in between. And so even before we existed, he knew that we would and what we would be like even before we were. Now that's amazing. Uh, only, only Christianity and the Word of God and the absolutes of, of this truth We'll explain that. Nobody else can explain that. That's just a mystery to everybody else. But I don't have any problem believing that. So that's who I am and where I came from. 
why am I here? Uh, going up online is a little brief clip uh, that will say, no accidental people. And I'll, I'm holding forth for about a minute. And uh, I want you to send that to everybody you know. There are no accidental people. God doesn't, that sounds like bad English. God doesn't make accidents. Okay? In other words, he doesn't create accidental people. Or people are not incidentally, you know, just appearing because they were biologically conceived and, and birthed, and they're here. Nobody got here by accident. Everybody is here by design. And even though God gives us free will so that we bring children into this world sometimes the right way and sometimes not the right way, every person who comes into this world, God already knew about them. You understand what I'm saying? God already knew about them. God already planned for them. There are no, there are no unplanned you know, births on God's part. God knows all about that. And every person has their place in the universe. And that's why we can love everybody the way God does. Amen. Where are we going? Well, that is to be determined by the decision that every person will make before he or she closes their eyes for the last time. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We need to receive Christ as Savior and tell everybody. And I am so proud Daquan, you and your whole group of, of people, soul winners, and, and all of you that pass tracts and distribute tracts, I am so proud as a pastor of you. Uh, per capita, you are the soul winningest bunch I've ever known. So praise God. And just keep after it. Keep after it. Keep after it. Uh, somebody said uh, to Bob Harrington, don't you think you're going to offend people? Don't you think you're going to send people the wrong way? And... Uh, Bob Harrington said, they're already going to hell number one. Where do you think I'm going to send them? Hell number two? They're, they're already going to hell number one. And so if we lovingly tell people about Jesus and that he's the only way, just how wonderful is that? That's very, very wonderful. So those, those four basic questions are answered by the scriptures, by scriptural truth. And, and we can stake our life and our eternity on that. And we can share it with other people. And I'm, I'm willing to do that. But I have to admit, there are some times when I think about all of those deep, mysterious truths, and uh, I have to give pause and ponder them. Turn to the 39th Psalm, if you would, please. 39th Psalm. We've just uh, passed Memorial Day. We looked back at some lives and assessed the good things, the lessons learned. And uh, th there are lessons that I have drawn from people who have gone before me and on whose shoulders I stand that uh, have held me in good stead. I'm so glad I had a dad and a mom who cared about me. But even if you didn't have a dad and a mom or grandparents like I did that cared about my eternity and cared about my making a difference, uh, listen, you can learn lessons from those that have gone before you. You can compare them with Scripture. You can build a life on the, on the Word of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why I also say to people that are on their deathbed, if you think of it when you get on the other side, look up my mom, my dad, my grandparents, and tell them that Brad Winnegar is still preaching the gospel. I don't know if people up there can look down. I don't know that they'd want to. But if they can, then my dad and mom know what's going on. But if they don't, I'd like someone to tell them. And I don't know that we can get word there. We haven't been able to to prove that yet. But we're in Psalm 39, Psalm 39, and this is David writing, and he says, 
In verse 1, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. We could stop right there and preach a long message, couldn't we? We have to keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on praying and keep on seeking the Lord because we all have difficulty in this area. Guarding our tongue, saying the right thing, not talking about people, not creating gossip, and so forth. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Reminds me of James chapter 3. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit, the guard at our mouth, and we need to constantly uh, make sure that that's the case. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred. There are some times when we need to take time and be silent and just not, not make the chatter and the noise that we frequently do. You may have been brought up or may have developed a, uh, a thought process that goes like this. If every moment of silence isn't filled with noise, well, that's a tragedy. So we're going to fill every second with talk. And you may know somebody who fits that description. And they need to come to the terms, and we need to come to the terms of the truth, which is we need to be quiet sometimes, just quiet, and let the Lord do the talking and listen to what He's got to say. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned. And I don't know if you've still got a fireplace that works. you got one of those mechanical ones, or, or if uh, you sit in front of the heat register or whatever it is you sit in front of. But... Just something that will just make you think. And <clears throat> maybe with an open Bible. Then I spake with my tongue. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. There it is. This is about truly knowing ourselves. Now, admittedly, there are a lot of things about us that are shocking that we don't want to know. We don't want to face. We don't want to deal with. There are parts of us, I mean, it's, it's just not lovely. That's just the facts. But the Bible says even a child is known by his doings, whether they be pure and whether they be right. Uh, I remember when um, we were reading in the book of Acts, the 19th chapter, the demons, the demons said, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who art thou? Who are you? You know, it's... It's possible that we're known in hell. I know I'm known in hell. I know, I know there are demons who know me. And so we're known by our doings. We're known in hell. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when we get to heaven, we, we will know as we are known. So we're going to meet up with some folks. And just like a, like a mama instinctively knows her children uh, years later and... Uh, and meets up with them and knows that that's her kids. And in the, in the whole world of nature and creation, that's the same. Uh, people know as they are known. That's very true. But let me say this. Even though we may get picked out of a crowd, somebody might uh, recognize us. Somebody might know us. We went to the 50th anniversary of my graduation, my high school graduation. Uh, Stevenson, who ran in uh, our mixed medley relay, it still holds a record in our region, by the way, came up to me and said, Winnegar, I'd know you anywhere. It's the hair. That's what he said. That's what he said. 
even though we may be known in many different venues, I believe the toughest one to deal with is knowing ourselves, Coming to terms with who we really are. With what we're capable of. Knowing what God's got to work with. There it is. And we need to consider the depths of some questions tonight. We are known, but do we really know ourselves? First of all, we are known, put it down, we are known by who we are. You see, that seems pretty basic. No, you and I, if we were put on the spot, handed a piece of paper, and told to write, and to fill in the blank, I am blank, <clears throat> most everybody would give their name. You might give your social security number or not. You might give your age or not. You might give your vocation Guess what? You haven't answered the question yet. Who are you? Who am I? Who are we as far as God is concerned? We mentioned the creature of God, the child of God, but I want to add one more to that, Tom, tonight. I want to add the most important because it's the thing that will transform how we comport ourselves and what our attitude is and how we behave and how we talk to people because even David was having some trouble with his tongue and James writes about it and uh, it seems like that's a problem with Peter, uh, the apostle, and so many others with what they say and, and what the Bible warns us about. So I want to go to this. Not only am I a creature of God created by a direct act of God and, and known of God, and I'm a child of God because I've been born again the Bible way. There was a time and a place. How about you? I can think of it right now. I can picture it. First Baptist Church, Los Altos, California. All right. Room next to the fireside room. A uh, little personal dealing room with uh, checkered tile in the floor and little slat chairs. And that's where I knelt down and got saved. I know, I know that I'm saved. I know that it happened. I was there. And I ought to know as the song goes. I, I was there. I experienced it. I'm a child of God. Ever since then, I've had the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't deserve God's presence. But, but I have the presence of God in my life as the indwelling Spirit. He will never leave me nor forsake me. I can't escape Him. But go back to Psalm 139. Uh, if I go up in the air, I go down in the sea wherever I go. I can't get away from God's Spirit. So I know who I am. I'm a creature of God. I'm a child of God. But here's the thing that will make the difference, the one truth that will make the difference tonight in your life, tonight, tomorrow, next week, forever. If you can write down, I am blessed of God. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. We don't deserve the goodness of God. But His goodness is spread throughout our life. Now, we, we tend to get very spoiled, like spoiled kids. And uh, we've, we tend to forget about the blessings of God if things aren't going our way. But things have no impact whatsoever upon blessings because God is blessing us because He's good, not because we're getting our way, not because we're good, not because we've met some of God's terms. God blesses us, Ray, because God is good. And it's that connection that makes all the difference in our life, really, when you think about it. God's 
Blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. So who are we? Well, I'm a creature of God. I'm a child of God. But I am a blessed. I am a so blessed child of God. Whether we got everything we wanted, whether everything's going our way, whether everything is just exactly the way we planned it or wanted it to be, that's not an issue. We are so blessed by God. We need to get our eyes off of what we didn't get. It's kind of like the kid at Christmas. The list that the kid had for Christmas was this long. He didn't get every single thing on there. To him, Christmas is a bust. Why? Because he didn't get all the stuff he wanted. And it's been that way since time began, I think. We're like a bunch of spoiled kids that didn't get everything on a Christmas list. Instead, we need to look at what we got. Hey, kids, let me tell you. Toys, mechanical things, electronics, those are all wonderful things. Little special doodads, things that you wanted. Little cutesy things that you wanted. Oh, that's wonderful. That's all great. But I'll tell you what. They won't keep your feet warm like those socks that mom got you. Those are like the blessings of God. And don't get me wrong. Some of the blessings of God are very special. But the blessings of God encompass all of that. What, what's good for us and what feels good and what's best. And God knows all about us. And God is interested in your total person. He's interested in your spirit, soul, and body. God wants you to be blessed, and he's the blesser, and we want to give him the credit. Thank you, Lord, for being the blesser. Keep on blessing. Thank you so much. It's undeserved. Neil Anderson, uh, the counselor who authored all those books about bondage that we have referred to in the past, upon uh, who's, who I am in Christ we have used in our counseling, our Friday night program and so forth, our addiction recovery program. Who I am in Christ. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm so blessed of God. I am a blessed child of God. We're known by who we are. Now we need to let this get into our, into our very being, into our core, so that everything we do and everywhere we go and everything we say to every person whose path we cross reflects the fact that we know that we are created by God. We're a child of God. We are so blessed. And because we are so blessed, just let it flow over on everybody. I'm so blessed. Everybody here knows somebody who's a little happier in Jesus than you are. We could take a lesson from them, couldn't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a so blessed child of God. Praise the Lord. Now we are known, and we really need to know ourselves. We need to know who we are based upon what we do, what we've done. Now sometimes people go around with a long list of regrets their track record is filled with things they wish they hadn't done. They wish they had turned right instead of left. They wish they hadn't known somebody or gone someplace or done something or whatever. I think about Sister Nell Hancock, Dr. Hancock's wife. You remember when she was here with him? And, and he referred to the fact that, that she would strongly recommend he preach on something because the Lord had spoken to her heart. How many remember that? And he said... And I said to Nell, and he goes on like that, and says, uh, God told you, you preach on it. 
You know, I, God didn't talk to me about it. They were, they were a case, I'm telling you. She went home to be with the Lord, and 14 months later, he went to be with Jesus. But at her funeral, he had little booklets printed up with her picture on it and her life's motto. And she might have said something when she spoke here to the lady. I wasn't in the ladies' meeting, so I don't know what she said. But she used to always say this, let my life speak for itself. Let my life speak for itself. Now that does not mean that she thought that she was perfect or even that she had achieved. I have not apprehended that for which I am apprehended. Pretty obvious in Scripture. But in 2 Timothy and chapter number 4, it says in um, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse Number seven, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That, that was the verse that our nephew chose for the funeral, the memorial service, for my sister Jan. Uh, she had passed, and we had flown out to Arizona. And uh, Adam, who is a successful uh, plastic surgeon there, in Arizona, said, this is the verse of chosen, 2 Timothy 4, 7. And I thought about that, the course, the course of life, the course of life. What determines the course of life? Many different factors. But once you're on that course, continuing, being consistent, and finishing are very important elements, aren't they? Very important. You know, if a person's going the wrong way, they need to get the right way. But I'm talking about somebody who is following the directives of the Lord through the Word of God. It's very important for us to do with all of our might, with God's guidance and direction, everything we can. Uh, we, we yield to God, and uh, He enables us to have a successful life. We're known by who we are, fill in the blank. We're known by what we do. Fill in the blank. What have you done? What have you done? I think in our previous ministry, it was a tremendous shock to my system after we had finished the first four years of taping an old VHS tape. And I look like my own son now on that tape. But we had taped the first time through the entire Bible in Bible Institute. We had four years of those VHS tapes. And we got done with it and we were just pausing to reflect. And the man who had uh, done the filming and, and had processed and, and uh, been the producer of, of that tape series uh, was Evangelist Mark Patterson, who's now in heaven. But he said to me, he said, that's really something. I said, what, what are you talking about? What's really something? He said, this is the first time in all the years I've been in the church that we ever finished anything. And you know what? That's more often the case than not. A lot of churches will start on a campaign, they'll start a thing, and they just, they don't really finish it or bring it to fruition where it makes a difference in the lives of people. But we actually got to see group after group after group of graduates come through the Bible Institute. So it produced fruit. And many of them serving the Lord. Right now, a missionary in a restricted country. Actually, two missionaries in restricted ministries. 
went through our Bible Institute. And that's wonderful. In their case, they finished their course. They're serving the Lord. Now, they haven't arrived. They haven't apprehended that for which they're apprehended. But they're serving the Lord, and they're keeping it in line, aren't they, sweetie? They're just keeping it in line, and they're going the way that the Lord wants them to go, and they're just doing that, and they're doing it, and they're doing it. Now, listen to me. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And the rest of that verse does not mean that people are unconscious in the grave. But what it means is, Whatever you were going to do on earth, once you're dead and gone, you can't do it on earth anymore, except he, he being dead yet speaketh. Our words, our legacy goes on, but we don't physically continue on. There's not, uh, there's not reincarnation. You don't come back for a second try or anything like that. You've got one time. I've got one time. And that's between birth and death. And so that's uh, X number of years and uh, X number of months and weeks and Days and hours and minutes and seconds. In every one of them, we have the opportunity to make an investment in eternity or to look at it and say, well, Brother Gabe said it this morning at the 9 o'clock meeting with the staff. He said, he said, you know, it's pretty easy for us to waste four hours or you can invest. He was talking about July 15th, when we have the big extravaganza, we're going to invest four hours in the lives of young people. Some get saved, some will get called, some will get influenced for eternity. We'll invest. That's important. We're known by who we are. Do you know who you are tonight? We're known by what we do. Amen. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Number three, put this down. We are known by how we do what we do. Sometimes we're known because of the way in which we comport ourselves, our manner of living and interacting with others. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We've been over this on Wednesday night. There it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Everybody runs in a race. But one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Now, it does not say that only one of us is going to be rewarded for this race of life. But when we run, how we run should be with all we've got, with everything we can put into it, God helping us. And every man that striveth for the mastery, now mastery is a synonym for an Olympic-type contest. So every, every person that is trying to compete in the Olympics or at the top world-class level is temperate in all things. Moderation, training, that's what that's speaking of. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They used to give crowns made of garlands that would fade away. But we, an incorruptible, there's a crown that's going to be given for for continuing on serving the Lord, not giving up and doing it the right way. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, shadow boxing. But I keep under my body. This is personal uh, discipline in the Christian life. And bring it into subjection under the control of the Holy Spirit. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That is a sad word. He was leaning up against the wall of the drugstore in Marysville, California. 
I walked up to him. I had one of my sons with me. We were out on street visitation. We were giving out tracts and witnessing, winning souls to everybody we could that night. It was a hot, hot night. It was a summer night. He was leaning there. I could tell as I got close to him, the odor of alcohol was emanating from him. I handed him a tract. Those days we had black tracts with white print on them. Some of you remember the Bible Baptist tract out there. It was called the culprit. Because thousands and thousands of people across the country got saved reading that tract, The Plan of Salvation. But it also got a lot of criticism from people that thought that it should be much thicker and much longer and should have all kinds of other terminology in it. But it, there was enough there. It was biblical. And, uh, you know, you're lost and Jesus Christ will save you. And if you repent and if you receive Christ, you can go to heaven, etc. So it was a simple little tract. And I handed it to the man. And he looked at it, bleary-eyed. He looked up and he said, I used to be a preacher. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I used to preach in Chino, California. And he named the church. I was the pastor of the XYZ church in Chino, California. I said, wow. What, uh, what got you here? Why are you here today under this circumstance? And he looked at me and he said, because I didn't run the race the right way. I didn't run the race. He didn't run to win. He didn't run with Jesus as his focus, as the finish line. He didn't run. He didn't run and keep his body under subjection. Instead, he succumbed to the temptation of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our behavior, our attitude, how we live is how we're known. They might say, well, he's got high standards. She's got, she's got these amazing uh, principles of life, but they're awfully hard to get along with. Somebody else might say, what a kind, sweet, Christ-like person. And I don't know where we are, somewhere in between there. But how are we known? Number four, who we are, we're known by who we are, by what we do, by how we do it. And this is the most important thing. My wife said, got to bear down on this. This is it for all of us, including ourselves. We are known by who or by what we love. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love of the Father is not in him. What's the great commandment, Master? He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two, all the commandments. They're suspended by those two. That summarizes everything. We are known by who or by what we love. We need to keep our eyes fixed on heaven. We need to stay focused on the Savior. We need to love Jesus completely with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. We need to make sure that that's the first and most important thing. 
whenever the preacher gets up to preach, sometimes this thing degenerates in a lot of church situations where the pastor hears that the people are going out places they shouldn't go, do, doing things, engaging in practices, um, uh, running with a crowd that they shouldn't. So he gets up and he preaches and he shoots from the hip. And by the time he's done, he's made everybody mad. I only want to make the devil mad. I want to appeal. If you're truly born again, if you're truly saved, I want to appeal to that better part right now. It was Dr. R.A. Torrey who said about amusements and entertainments, do not indulge in any form of amusement about whose propriety you have any doubts. He says, if it's doubtful, it's dirty. Do not indulge in any amusement that you cannot engage in to the glory of God. If you can't say, I'm doing this to the glory of God, don't do it. Do not engage in any amusement that will hurt your influence with anybody. Do not engage in any amusement that you cannot make a matter of prayer. Do not go to any place of amusement where you cannot take Christ with you, where you do not think Christ would feel at home. Number six, don't engage in any amusement that you would not like to be found enjoying if the Lord should come right then. That's old time preaching. Don't hear that anymore. It's sad. Ari Tori was talking about a dear friend, a saved man, a man he had no doubts about his salvation. But the man, by his own testimony, was walking down the street. He had heard Ari Tori speak, and especially on that sixth point. Do not engage in any amusement, any pastime that you would not want to be found doing when Jesus returns. And that man was engaged in a habit that he realized he would be ashamed of if Jesus came that moment. So he snuffed it out. He said, no more of that. Never went back to it again. And none of these things that I'm talking about, amusements, are going to send anybody to hell might send somebody else to hell, but it's not going to send you to hell. But I have to ask myself what the Lord Jesus Christ thinks about it. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes tonight. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If the Spirit of God spoke to your heart tonight in any way, would you slip your hand up? Spoke to my heart. Amen. 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 Do we really know ourselves? Who are we? We're known by who we are, by what we do, by how we do it, and by what we love. You love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, and mind. Won't you come as we have an invitation to Him in just a moment? But if you don't know that you're saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just pray from your heart right now and say, Lord Jesus, please come in my heart. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die.
Amen. Amen. Enjoy that.